This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and today you're listening to episode 54. Today, I'm talking with Deborah Devines. Deborah is the founder of the Indiana Prison Writers Workshop. The Indiana Prison Writers Workshop was founded in 2018 by Deborah herself. She taught a single creative writing class to 10 men at Plainfield Correctional Facility, and since then, The organization has grown to over three instructors and they've taught more than 10 creative writing classes to over 50 men in five state prisons across Indiana. Wow, so cool. Uh, They offer these creative writing workshops as an outlet for justice-involved individuals to write and express. Deborah's passion for this organization, for writing, for helping people through writing comes out in so many great ways in this episode. We finished this conversation and I thought, wow. This is why we launched the Illuminate podcast. You should definitely give the Indiana Prison Writers Workshop a follow on Instagram. They are IN Prison Writers. Right now, they are working through an amazing photo essay series called Where Are They Now? I should also mention that Deborah is the author of two books Sunday, Sweet Sunday, and The Green Balloon. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Deborah Devines. All right, well, today on the Illuminate podcast, I'm so excited to welcome my friend Deborah Devines to the show. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I have been following all the exciting things you've been doing over the past couple years from afar because we used to work in the same building, but we haven't really seen each other in person much recently. I know. It seems like forever. Yes. So let's just start. Well, first of all, we're going to get really into the Prison Writers Workshop that you have been investing your time into. But I want to just start with introducing yourself to the listeners, where you're from, and kind of where your career started. Sure. Great. So Deborah Devines, uh, my background, born in Toronto, Canada, uh, moved around a lot as a, as a child. So had to be adaptable and, and uh, you know, understanding of, of different situations and states and schools. And so that kind of molded me into um, the person that I am today, all the moving that we did as, as a family. And so, uh, yeah. And I was a former television news reporter. That's kind of where my career started, and I covered crime and courts, and that's really where my interest began in working with uh, offenders uh, inside the prisons, and it wasn't until uh, I moved to Indianapolis in 2011 uh, that I was able to dedicate some time to volunteer, and that's kind of how the doors opened for the work that I do each day. Yes, it's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so like I I'm so intrigued by your whole career path though because when we met, 
I was a super young professional, like, and I, I really right. looked up to the work that you were doing. You were working PR for HBAF right. of Indiana, the homeless veterans. What is it? Homeless veterans. Uh, right. Homeless veterans uh, assistance foundation. Yes. Hoosier Veterans Assistance Foundation. Yeah, right, right. It's Hoosier Veterans, yes. Um, and I learned a lot from you kind of just watching how you went about your job because I was working PR and communications for Back on My Feet and our right. offices were inside your building. So what, before you worked at HFAF, were you, did you go straight from television reporting to that? No, so I did. Um, I did a few things. I did a little, uh, a few stints in PR and marketing. I was in Birmingham, Alabama, working at an adult literacy uh, organization, the Literacy Council of Central Alabama, and that experience really helped with the, bringing out the storytelling. You know, as a former reporter. Uh, um, day in and day out, I was telling stories, but, but then having to tell it kind of in a longer format or thinking um, outside the box and creating photo essays or campaigns or, uh, you know, event promotions. And so the experience in PR and marketing uh, in Birmingham um, really sort of elevated my uh, experience in communications. And then I uh, also worked at an ad agency in Birmingham, Big Communications, and being around such smart people um, really challenged me to perform at a high level. Um, you know, to try. I had a number of clients uh, under my belt where I would promote their uh, institution or agency or business, um, the Chamber of Commerce being one in Birmingham, as well as uh, a local university was another. And so thinking of different campaigns and thinking of different ways to get their message and brand out there um, kind of all was was tools that, that I was building upon that, that then led me to, to HFAF. And thank you for, for, um, for saying that you looked up to the work that I did there. Um, I was there for about seven years and, uh, uh, my previous supervisor had commented that I really laid the, the groundwork for communications and the presence that, that people know and think of, 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 of the homeless veterans organization today, uh, they credit my efforts and the work that all of us did as a team to to get the word out through social media, through the news. Um, you know, being a former reporter, I, I feel like I'm skilled to pitch a good story to the media because I know what they're looking for. And so so all of those things really, really helped me in my day to day job and, and work, at, you know, being able to, to see you and work with back on my feet was was a nice perk as well. Yeah, it seems like the smartest PR people, the P PR people working in that industry mm -hmm. are people that have been on the other side of it, who have worked on the news side of it because they know what kind of stories news stations are looking for. I agree with that. I agree with that. And, you know, we're, as a reporter, we're able to break down words and put them in kind of simple terms. And we're really showcasing, you know, other people's lives and stories. And so I think you do a great job of that as well. And so there is kind of a knack to storytelling when you are in journalism or TV news or radio or what have you. Where did you go to college, Deborah? Yeah, I went to Cal State Northridge. Okay. So out, out in Los Angeles. Yep. That's so cool. How long did Thanks. you live in L.A.? I lived in L.A. for maybe seven or eight years in my late 20s and early 30s. And it was the best time to be there. Um, you know, I was I was doing a, a paid internship at ABC7, which is 
quite a big operation, the number one station in Los Angeles. And so um, I was there in the newsroom, you know, doing my job and learning from the best. And it was a wild ride. Um, I remember being in the newsroom when the O.J. Simpson oh, wow. uh, situation broke and the, you know, the, the car chase and so forth. And so and other pretty major uh, pivoting moments in TV news. I was, I was just a, you know, a lone intern. Wow. <laughs> uh, absorbing it all and just the fast paced nature of it. And so that sort of um, adrenaline and thrill and interest and curiosity uh, was um, elevated during that time. I think I was born sort of curious and just trying to figure out, you know, what what next project am I going to take on as it relates to the prison writing program? And, you know, when, once I succeed at that project or it's almost in completion, uh, I'm then looking at the next thing or I'm already looking at the next thing. You know, I think just having kind of a hustler mentality and just while I'm enjoying the moment, I'm always striving for for the next uh, project where I could showcase these men and women who um, have served their time, they're remorseful for the crimes that they've committed, and now they're simply looking to re-enter society um, and, and do better and be better. And, and so writing is a way that, that they're able to do that. I am so excited to hear about it. Um, real quick, did you major in journalism in college? I actually majored in poli sci okay. and uh, was wanting to be back in college, wanting to be a reporter, okay. so, you know, um, kind of a, a political or international okay. type reporter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So poli sci and then took a few comms classes as well. Wow. Do you feel like right now you're just like when you look back to those days in L.A. when you were, you know, like in the newsroom, I mean, the O.J. Simpson trial, the car chase, like that's by far yeah. one of the most like. Right. Profound. Yes. Yes. Moments. Exactly. In, in I was history. right. I was in a, a, a one of the museums in Washington, D.C. a few years ago. Uh, I think it was Newseum or one of the uh, famous museums. And, and there was a whole section about how the O.J. Simpson car chase really changed how we cover the news. Yeah. And, you know, all of the things we've the news has done since it it took a different kind of shape and lens. And it was very you know, in your face and show everything type thing where it wasn't before. It was, you know, a little bit edited and filtered and, you know, pull back and so forth. And so, yes, it was, it was, like I said, wild to just be in, in the newsroom in the number one market in the country. Crazy. Um, for, for something as so as significant as the OJ Simpson case and then the trial. Uh, again, I wasn't the the main reporter or the reporter on the scene, but sure. uh, but as you know, as an employee there, I was I was there and I you know was assisting and and helping, and so I was definitely involved and in the know. So yeah, it was it was crazy. Wow, what a cool life experience, and and I'm sure life is so different here in Indiana than it, <laughs> than it was in LA. <laughs> right, it it is, and uh, yes, while I built a home here. I, I am looking to to one day uh, move out of Indiana and uh, be able to use my skill set in a different state. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so <laughs> we kind of touched on the Indiana Prison Writers Workshop a little bit, but let's really get into it. So okay. you started volunteering. Let's start there. When, I know that um, this came after you worked at HFAF. So right. where did the yeah. volunteering start and how did you get involved in volunteering? Because I feel like that might be something that people are curious. Like, how would I even volunteer at a prison? 
Right. It actually involves HVAF. So that's an, an excellent transition. So one of the case managers uh, at HVAF, I don't, I don't know if she's still there, but her husband worked at a facility and literally in passing in the hall, you know, that narrow hallway mm-hmm. there, um, we were talking about, was, was it TV news or my, my experiences? And I said, you know, what does your husband do? And we were just striking up a conversation and she said, oh, you know, he works at a correctional facility. And I said, oh, I said, well, I, you know, I've always thought about doing some sort of volunteering for one. And she said, well, let me put you in contact with Plainfield Correctional Facility, uh, where she knows, you know, where her husband knows that they, they need volunteers. And so I, I immediately called or emailed um, the, the volunteer coordinator or the community engagement coordinator there at the facility. And she read off a few different volunteer options. You know, there was knitting and there was this and there was that. And Really, the only one that that somewhat stood out to me was a class called uh, Victim Impact, Mm. and that's a pre-designed curriculum where you go over with the offenders, you know, in a couple weeks, how the victim would feel if a crime was committed. And and so I I signed up for that. I I was towards the end of it, maybe the last, coming up on the last of six um, uh, classes with them. And I found the material to be a bit outdated. And so I said, you know, let's put our paper down and our pencils down and let's think for a minute about um, doing something a little different. Uh, Let's, you know, um, expand on what we were going to do and let's write a letter to the victim, not Mm. mailing it. We're just going to get our thoughts on paper. And what I found during that writing prompt was that there was a lot of raw talent and creativity and, and uh, uh, what untreated traumas and, and, and uh, elements that benefited the men to be able to write something down on paper, right, to get their thoughts out. And so uh, I felt like I was on to something after that writing prompt, and I immediately emailed, uh, again, the community engagement coordinator and said, would love, to volu- would love to create a creating writing curriculum and class uh, solely for, for the offenders here, just solely writing. And she said, sure. She said, put together a curriculum. I did that. It took me about a few, uh, a couple of weeks. I, I, uh, recruited some Indi- uh, brought to the table, some well-known Indiana writers, I got the Indiana Writers Center involved and just really came up with a list, a 12 week list of, what short stories we would share with them that would resonate, uh, writing prompts, and just built this, you know, rather robust curriculum. And that's really where the idea was born. And this was in 2018. And I was talking to a gentleman in the community named uh, Andrew Lee. uh, And he sort of mentored me into uh, the opportunity to turn the program into a not-for-profit. So mm. it's a 501c3 not-for-profit as of the end of, uh, of 2018. And so things just really accelerated from there in the fact that we expanded to several Indiana prisons, uh, working closely with Indiana Department of Correction, and getting uh, you know some some great news coverage and building the website and certain campaigns that we've done and then working with some great community partners on the outside Kurt Vonnegut Museum and Library IUPUI uh, Marion University to name just a few and so we, we not only do work inside with the offenders but also on the outside Wow I have goosebumps. Like, oh, thank you. It's so cool. <laughs> I mean, seriously, talk about someone 
pursuing their passion in the truest mm-hmm. sense and giving back while doing it. But I know you're doing it for the inmates, but like I can tell that this is mm-hmm. your true passion. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yes. It's it, you know, whether it's a calling or a, a passion or however you want to, however we want to phrase it, I, I certainly agree with that. And, you know, I, I, I take a very all in approach to this program or to this non nonprofit. It just, you know, I know how to unwind and turn it off, obviously, but for balance. Um, but it's just a very uh, amazing experience to to be part of. Yeah. Okay. So you are officially launching the is the nonprofit. Is it happening right now? Like, did you already? I mean, I'm sure that's a ton of paperwork and kind of hard to do. It was, uh, but but we, we we muddled through it, and uh, it took you know a few months. And at the end of 18, 2018, we were a full fledged nonprofit, which means we were able to get funding, and we did. We were able to secure some funding from CICF. Uh, and that allowed us to um, pay some researchers with IU Public Policy Institute to do a one-year evaluation, a program evaluation of Indiana Prison Writers Workshop and to learn what they uh, found out. And um, we, it's wrapping up right now as we speak. We've been in communications with them. And what we found or what they found is that there was a 38% uh, decrease in conduct violations for the offenders who have taken the writing program, wow. coupled with other, yeah, coupled with other programs that they are potentially involved in. So that was a huge milestone or a nice number uh, that we'll now be able to use for funding and for awareness and so forth. And you know, there were other things that they were able to help us with, the pre and post evaluation, so we can better impact or better show impact and measurements and, you know, outcomes. And the word I'm looking for is outcomes. And so we've really, you know, as a storyteller and as a marketing person, I've really had to grow and learn about data and how important numbers yeah. are and all of that and accounting, you know, for running the the accounting for the nonprofit. So I have a board of directors. We have uh, a team of two volunteer uh, facilitators who go into some of the facilities and it's just been a real amazing experience to witness the growth of this and not only that but to have people embrace it and validate it it's been surreal it's (laughs) so cool yeah I mean all those all that data and all those measurements like you know anybody funding this needs to see the that that information um can you talk a little bit about breaking the stereotype of what the everyday person might think of someone who is in prison for 20, 30, 40 years? Great question. So in some people's minds, there's the notion or thought that, you know, they've committed a crime, lock them up forever, forget about them. But um, our stance and our thoughts is rehabilitation because we know these men and women uh, are going to be coming out at some point, uh, and why not help them improve their uh, lives so that when they come out that they're, uh, you know, that they've grown or healed and have something to contribute to society. And so I think, you know, for me, I'm a big believer in second chances. Uh, and so when someone has done their time, uh, is to let them start anew Mm. and, and, and know that, that they are, you know, have, have, taking the steps to change their actions and attitudes. 
Um, I think overall, you know, I'm not going to speak to what other people think of of someone who has committed a crime. Uh, that's not my place. But, you know, whatever your misconceptions are, once you learn about some of the barriers and traumas that these men and women have faced, it makes you think twice about not about that they committed the crime, but about, uh, you know, their, their struggles, right? Their, their struggles inside of their head or the struggles that they've been dealing with. Um, and so I think just having greater empathy uh, is, is helpful for, for people who are um, learning about uh, offenders and inmates and what they go through. Um, but, but yeah, I think there's a lot of misconceptions. Oh, they don't want to work or, oh, you know, this and that. But uh, in my uh, experience, in, in the, the dozens of, of, of offenders we've worked with is, is just the opposite. They, they just need a, another chance. Mm. Okay, so I was just listening to an interview with Bill Gates on um, Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. Okay. And he was talking a lot about like going all in on the things he's super passionate about with his resources. Mm-hmm. You know, like the sure. the uh, Gates Foundation, like they're super passionate about like vaccinations and 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 whatnot. And so when I hear you talk about this, I hear and I hear, heard you say earlier, like I tend to go all in on things. I mm-hmm. think sometimes people feel like, OK, you find this this um, issue that you're passionate about and you want to do all the things mm-hmm. and you can't do all the things, though. Right. No. You can't. Right. 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 Exactly. So talk oh, about. So, yeah. Go ahead. Talk about like a good point. Such a good point, because, you know. I think with my, and you probably feel it too and understand it, but when you're in nonprofit, you know about staying true to the organization's mission, right? Because uh, if you don't, you could get sidetracked and then you're doing something else that you didn't intend to do. So I completely agree with with that and I love that because, yeah, I've had opportunities to veer off and to partner with other organizations Mm -hmm. and to take on more of a, you know, arts approach or to do this. And I've really stuck to writing. Mm. Um, You know, the purpose uh, in our mission statement is to improve the lives of those incarcerated through writing and self-expression. And I think, Lindsay, when you find your niche, um, you know, unless you need to change with the times, which is completely uh, understandable, but when you find your niche and the small uh, aspect of of the difference that you're making in the world, you know, and it's working, uh, stick with it, you know, stick with it. Um, and then the other thing, too, that I thought about when you were mentioning um, that that article was that, uh, you know, a lot of people, when they, they have the approach of I'm going to try this or I'm going to try this cause or believe in it and, and, and uh, not believe in it, but and pursue it in all aspects. I think some people have a sense of, of, of failure, a fear of failure. And so, um, you know, with the go in approach, it's, you know, you learn from failures, right? Mm. So I've had plenty of setbacks and failures as it relates to the prison program. And so when you go all in and you experience failures, my thought is don't give up. Just look at the next door that's going to open up, you know? So good. Yeah, you know, I remember you, I don't know how many years ago it was. It seems like the older we get, the faster time goes, right? Um Uh, Right. (laughs) But I remember watching you again through social media. You were taking like adult writing courses. And I remember thinking, that's so cool. She's so passionate about writing. I didn't even know that about you. I mean, obviously, as someone working in PR, you were writing a lot because you were throwing pitches out and storytelling and all that. Um, But I didn't know that was such a big passion. So I saw you doing that 
as you were still working in your other career. And I thought that's so cool that she's just like going all in with this and mm-hmm. like pursuing mm-hmm. her passion for writing, even though that's not her main gig too. Right. Right. It, you know, you're right. And that's, it's prioritizing. And I have a family, you know, I have a, a nine year old son. And so when you think about doing something for yourself, which is very important in my eyes, you know, you have to factor in the time spent away from your family or at the computer writing. Right. And so, right. Yeah. I joined a group of women and for about two, two and a half years, and we still get together and write, but we, we would spend every week together at a coffee shop and Mm -hmm. we would write and that would allow me that time and space to, to do just that. And I've been writing since I was about eight or nine years old. Uh, my third or fourth grade teacher inspired us to keep a journal and, uh, you know, kept a journal all the way through my 20s and 30s. And I still journal, not every day or every night, but that's just a great outlet to get your thoughts and set your intentions. And I've tried different types of journals, you know, the gratitude journal and just free writing. And so I have boxes and stacks of journals ever, uh, since I was eight and I'm in my mid 40s now. So that's a lot of paper. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but as far as the group and, and the writing, um, you know, I've been able to produce several short stories that have gotten published in my adult life, you know, as of the past couple of years. I've also been able to write two, uh, write two books, two books, a children's book uh, and a, another book about my experiences working with inmates for the year. And that book is called Sunday Sweet Sunday. And it's a very short chat book mm. and it's available on Amazon or, or through me. And so... If anyone wants to learn more about what it's like to initially work with a group of offenders, that that details, you know, my thoughts there. So, yeah, you know, it's just it's writing is, is important. It's important to our everyday lives, as is communications and being an effective communicator. Um, so, wow. OK, tell me where Sunday Sweet Sunday. Tell me where that name came from. Okay, great. So that name came from one of the offenders, and his name is Chris. He is still serving time. Uh, he has a 2022-year 20, sentence, so he'll be released in 2023. Okay. And he was one of the men that I spotlighted in the book. I shared some of his stories. Uh, I think when I started this, I... When I started the program and working with the men, I told myself, you know, keep my guard up, da-da-da. Mm. And so he was one that really... Um, I get emotional talking about him because he's just, he really struck a chord with me in the fact that he is so talented, uh, so brilliant and has so much to offer the world that, um, that, yeah. And so I asked the guys one day, I said, yeah, I can't think of a title for this book. I've written a, this book about you all. <laughs> and and he raised his hand and he said, what about Sunday, sweet Sunday? Ah. Because you, you come out to the prison every Sunday and it's a joy to have, have your presence, um, here in the facility. And that was it. So that was that was the title. <laughs> that is beautiful. I love it. Oh, so good. Okay. So you you mentioned you kind of had your guard up for a little bit at the beginning. Right. How, right. And people like Chris helped you take it down. So talk about that right. a little bit. Right. I think, you know, when you go into volunteer training with the Indian Department of Correction, which is a great training, by the way, and I encourage everybody to volunteer, uh, there's quite a bit of paperwork and information uh, about manipulation and, you know, obviously mm. the rules and regulations, which, which everybody follows. Um, and so, you know, for me, it was just, you know, my first name, that's how I was presenting myself as, and, uh, you know, just keeping kind of to the class. And I think as we went on with this group of 10, 
you know, I began to share a little bit more about my past struggles or life events that shaped me, experiences in Los Angeles that shaped me, and we, we laughed and we cried together. And so, you know, I think that that there was more of a, of, of a they're, they're people, they're people, and we're all here telling stories. And so, um, yeah, it was just, it became a sacred space each Sunday, Sunday, Sweet Sunday. And I think it really helped the men learn also to trust. And they were also engaging with other men who they would not have communicated with in prison. So it was a group of 10 who necessarily wouldn't sit around the, the prison yard talking to one another. And so and that 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 really relates to real life because we sometimes I'm guilty of it as well. We live in our bubbles. And so just going down the street and saying hi to somebody you wouldn't necessarily say hi to. Uh, that breeds kind of a greater empathy and level of of uh, engagement that that makes us all human and 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 better people for it. What's something or anything at all that you have learned from the inmates that you will take with you for the rest of your life? Wow. Wonderful question. An unbreakable spirit, an mm. unbreakable spirit. I think, you know, reading one of my favorite books, <clears throat> Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, mm. which the inmates suggested I read. Um, he writes, Frankl writes, we cannot avoid suffering, but we can choose how to cope with it, find meaning in it and move forward. Any man can, even under such circumstances, decide what shall become of him mentally. Suffering is an inevitable part of life, and you can realize its hidden opportunities for achievement. So I love that 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 bit in that, um, you know, I've seen them at their darkest hour, but when I've seen them, when I, when I go into the prisons as the other volunteer facilitators under Indiana Prison Writers Workshop, we see them with smiles on their face. They're making the best of their circumstances. And again, it's all mindset. And so when Pete, when, when I'm at, when I'm everyday living um, on the outside, you know, here, uh, when I'm everyday living, I, you know, when I hear people complain, I always think, well, you know, perspective and mindset. And so that allows me to improve my own attitude. That's so, so good. Um, if someone wants to support you financially or get involved, like someone's super passionate about writing or um, the prison system or whatever it is, mm -hmm. what do they do? Right. So you can uh, do a few things. You can uh, make a financial contribution uh, on our website, which is inprisonwritersworkshop.org. Again, that's in, so for Indiana, inprisonwritersworkshop.org. You could help us raise awareness. You know, we're frequently uh, uh, posting messages on our social pages. We're on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, Indiana Prison Writers Workshop. And you can share messages. Um, you can also, uh, if you're interested in becoming a volunteer, if you have a writing background, um, we're always taking, you know, or, or meeting with potential volunteers and we'll be hosting a volunteer training at, uh, in the new year. Um, so you could, you could, you know, be all in as far as getting involved. You can make a financial contribution, which helps towards providing composition notebooks, pens, printing for short stories. Um, I would love if anyone uh, has any printing contacts, 
um, we always are need for for new stories to short stories to be printed so we can provide those to the offenders. Mm, I love that. Okay, so I know it's Indiana Prison Writers Workshop, but I feel like I heard a made mention of people contacting you wanting to right, expand and right. do this in other markets. It I don't is, know if markets yes. is the right word. That no. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'm thinking <laughs> news <right>. and stuff. <laughs> No, that's true. So, yeah, we are in talks with the state of Ohio in a private prison there and uh, a jail in Arizona. However, COVID and the situation Mm -hmm. has Mm -hmm. stalled that. Obviously, those two programs would be run through the mail or through email. Uh, But right now, those facilities, even though they reached out to us, um, are kind of in a bit of a holding pattern and a pause with, you know, just managing the facilities as is. So, um, so yeah, we will be ready when the time comes. Again, I talked about setbacks and doors opening and then, you know, pivoting and, and another door may open for us to expand to another state. Um, is that our intention? No. I mean, we're Indiana Prison Writers Workshop. I think our goal is to continue to be in Indiana, but if, if another state reaches out and would like our curriculum to be provided to them, uh, yes, we, we will we will be ready for that. And so that's how we've been spending our, our time. We, you know, obviously, we have not been able to go into the facilities since February, March. And so that hasn't stopped us from building, uh, again, the mail-based curriculum that can be sent during uh, out in the mail or email, as well as a new curriculum, which is a four-week program, a writing curriculum that focuses on the book Just Mercy by Brian mm. Stevenson. And so that will allow offenders to learn about uh, other offenders who are highlighted in his book. And we can write about similarities and differences and take key lessons from that book. And Brian Stevenson generally g- generously donated books for, for this project for us. So that, wow. that was a... I know, I know. And then there's the movie Just Mercy, obviously, uh, starring uh, Jamie Foxx uh, as well. So um, we're excited to partner with such a noble and uh, upstanding uh, organization. And the work they do is tremendous. And then, you know, you asked what people can do is is just become more aware of the situation. You know, Mm -hmm. watch documentaries, the Central Park Five. is a good one. And there's so many out there that shed light on some of the injustices and or hardships that that are going on each day. And so again, while we focus strictly on writing, uh, it's hard not to turn a blind eye and be passionate about the the topic in general, prison reform, uh, how can we rehabilitate rather than solely punish. So good, Deborah. I, that book I read a couple years ago, and it's definitely Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to read that book. I haven't watched the movie because I read the book, but I know I should probably do both, right? The book is amazing. I mean, the movie is amazing. Yep. It's it's one of those. They did just a brilliant job for both. Is there any other books along that topic? Um, you know, that talks a lot about racial injustice in that book. Is there any other books along that topic that you've read that you find powerful that our listeners might be interested in reading? Yeah, there is one called Solitary by Albert, uh, let's see, Albert Woodfox, Okay, which is amazing. It's his experiences with, with just that, as you said. So Solitary, un, uh, Unbroken by Four Decades in Solitary Confinement. Wow. Um, so highly recommend Solitary, Albert Woodfox. And again, documentaries like the Central Park Five, 
uh, is high on my list, uh, as well as Life After Life, which I just uh, watched, Life After Life, and that was another good one. Is that about life after coming out of prison? It is. Wow. It is. Yes. Okay, that's so cool. Yes, it, it was done very well. Yep. Okay, one one more question surrounding your program as far as like your personal relationships go. You know, I remember when I worked for Back of My Feet, there were very clear rules about like boundaries with the people yep. in the program that are participating right. in the program. So when someone comes out of the prison system that's been through your program, how do you how do you manage those relationships? Right. Great question. So Indiana Department of Correction does have rules and regulations there. And what happens is we we uh, communicate with the prison warden uh, to make sure we can, you know, continue to uh, provide the offender with writing prompts or showcase them. And so that's a process that that we go through. Um, and so, yeah, we a lot of the the offenders, though, uh, reach out on our social channels mm. just to say thank you. You know, we are now out. We appreciated what you did for us. Um, you know, if there's any way we can get involved, let us know. And so they follow our social channels. And when we post something about an event that we're hosting, uh, you know, you never know who's who's going to join and, and, and want to be part of that or uh, support uh, the other efforts that we are doing on the outside. And so, um, you know, we always maintain uh, with the Indiana Department of Correction, follow the, those policies. Uh, and then we, we also uh, welcome and embrace, you know, those who reach out to us on social and give us an update on their lives, um, as well as take part in any events, you know, as they're kind of out and about in, in their community and their, their daily lives. That's so great. Okay, you mentioned un, un, like hustling hard, but also unwinding and turning it off. And I think that's so important. I'm reading the book Essentialism right now, who actually uh, my last guest on this podcast recommended it to me. Um, and right now I'm reading through a chapter on how important sleep is and, and everything. So um, just talk to us about how you do do that, because when you are so passionate about something and mm -hmm. you're still relatively new with this, I mean, it's still you're sure. probably still in the honeymoon phase. So right. how do you do that? I think for me is just, you know, when I'm with my son, Simon, is just keeping my phone kind of at a distance, um, taking him to, you know, to the park or to the playground and making sure my phone is not not on or with me. Um, and then as far as mindset and balance there, you know, it's yeah, it's just it's a daily struggle. I mean, if I've got an event coming up, which we just partnered with Fonseca Theater for an event Sunday, I was definitely, you know, in high gear there getting that ready and then post promotion for that event. And uh, so it's just, you know, it just ebbs and flows. I think it's just knowing when to, my, my, my mind and body tells me when I need mm. to unwind, right? And so my another one of my out, outlets is boxing. So I'm yes. a fighter, an amateur boxer, right? I love and it. Been, thank you. I've been doing that for about four, three years or four years. I want to say four years kind of at a more high level uh, atmosphere. Um, and so that is a, a total way to, to release kind of to, to unwind. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's a different way to unwind, <laughs> unwinding on the, uh, the speed bag. Or the <laughs> um, so, so that, that allows me kind of a more balanced lifestyle as well. Um, but yeah, I, I wake up early. I go to bed late. Um, do you? Yeah, I do. You know, I used to sleep a lot. I used to get eight, 
to 10 hours of sleep every night. And that was great at the time. Uh But now um, I'm just on this kind of race where I want to achieve a lot as much as I can, you know, before I move to another uh, state eventually. And, Mm. and so I just want to be able to, to check some things off, you know, as it relates to PR and marketing and financial goals with, with the program. And so, um, I don't know where this is going to lead it kind of in the end or how, uh, you know, where, where I'm going to end up as far as the growth of the program. Um, but you know, the sky's the limit really. Yeah. It's, it's a very hopeful message and way to live. I, I wonder though, are you, do you get nervous about like when you do move, like who's going to take over this program here in Indiana? Sure. Sure. So Marion university is currently working on a business plan. Some of their students uh, for, known as the a team and part of the business plan is going to include a succession plan. And so um, <clears throat> as we grow intentionally staff wise, I'll always be looking for a key person who mm-hmm. is extremely passionate and brilliant in many ways that maybe I'm not, mm. who can take the, you know, take the realm and, 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 and turn the, the prison program in a, in a positive direction or maybe th- do, do things that I haven't thought of. So, uh, once I meet that person, we'll work together and we'll groom each other and, uh, and, and then I'll let, you know, I have a director who will run it in Indiana, I'm sure. That's so cool. And, you know, I think any, anybody who watches really great leaders and pays attention to that will say that like you, I loved hearing you say, find someone who is more brilliant than me in so many ways, because when you create something and it's your baby, that's hard to hand off to someone. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. <sighs> it is. Okay, Deborah, um, we're going to wrap up with our end of the podcast questions here. Okay. I was excited about hearing about this, but as I knew, and I knew as we talked, it would just be so great to hear more, but I am like so, so pumped now, even more so. <laughs> Thank you. It's so awesome. Okay. Thank you. Um, well, we've been talking a lot about your professional life and goals, but what is something professionally or, in per- or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Professionally or personally or just personally? Either one. Ooh, wow. Uh, let's see. Something personally I'd like to do or professionally. <laughs> wow, I'm trying to think. I just realized I didn't send that to you. And, and Deborah, I realized that's, okay. that's a question I ask on All Have Another, not usually on Illuminate, but then I just <laughs> I spilled out because we've been focusing so much on it. Right. I just think personally is to to watch the, you know, the offenders who are in the program really shine and and do well. I mean, that's more professionally as well. So I just think their success stories uh, become our success stories. Um, And then, you know, I would say travel, but, you know, I've done a lot of that, uh, traveled around the world at a younger age. And Mm so um, I just think, you know, really make some good marks and gains and change awareness and perceptions. Uh, continue to do, the, to do that. That would be my answer. Hey, what was the trip you took somewhere? I remember you and you had Simon with and you guys were like riding camels in a desert. Right. That was Morocco. That's yep. so we cool. Morocco in 2015. And that was uh, highly enjoyable. We had a amazing, we slept in the desert and got Ugh. to see in a tent and got to see the stars illuminate at night. And it was just uh, breathtaking and beautiful. And 
We've taken Simon to Colombia as well, Bogota, Colombia, and parts of Europe. And so uh, we've ingrained a sense of travel and the importance of different cultures and, and environments for him. And that, that was important to me and still is. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm focused on closer to home and what impact I can make with people mm-hmm. who have, uh, have deep struggles. Yeah. And I think I uh, uh, just want to point out, you have designed that. Like, you know what I mean? We can talk about wanting to uh, travel and do things like that. And, and, but you, you have made that a big priority in your life. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, who is someone or something you would like to illuminate or share about on this podcast? I would say two people. Uh, Lydia Davis uh, is someone who is inspirational to me. She's an American short story writer and novelist and essayist, and she's known for her brevity. So mm. in her um, uh, vivid observations, she has. So whenever I get, need a good laugh um, or just oh be inspired by her writing style. She she wrote two pieces. One was a letter to, letter to a frozen peas manufacturer, and it's <laughs> hilarious. And then the other one that I love is letter to a peppermint candy company. And she kind of delves into are there how many pieces of peppermint are in this bag? And it's it's brilliantly done and just very simple. And I I she she's just uh, I need to read reread some of her pieces because I just love it. Um, uh, another one would be, you know, some of the offenders who I've met who have, uh, like I said, an unbreakable spirit. Um, uh, an offender named Chris uh, is a bright light and he um, he inspires me every day to to be better and to realize that time is a gift. Love that. Okay, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Ooh, I am reading, oh, I read uh, 50 Cent, Hustle, Harder, oh. Hustle, Smarter. Is it good? It is really good. Really? It's okay. Good. It's, it's messages you can take to the top top floor boardroom or just every day when you're engaging with people out on the streets. So um, just really great. And I just, he's just a, he's really, really a smart guy um, just and funny too. So, so that, that was, that was a, a good book. And uh, so, yeah. I love that. Okay, two more questions, Deborah. Okay. What is bringing you joy right now? Ooh, what is bringing me joy right now? I would say drive and increased ambition. Mm. Uh, I feel like in the past couple uh, couple of years, um, I've been kind of at a, you know, I wonder what this would look like or what would this look like? And now I'm really in the ramping up. Uh, the doing stage, the roll up your sleeves and or the experimental phase. Let's just try this project for Indiana Prison Writers Workshop. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. At least we've tried it before. I was more in the thoughtful kind of evaluation phase of there's this idea, there's that idea as it relates to writing uh, and, and promotions and so forth. And now I'm really in the, the doing phase. So I like the different the, I like all the different phases. I definitely like being thoughtful uh, careful and deliberate. Um, but I also like this kind of in the moment where, um, where we're launching kind of new, new endeavors. Wow. I just looked down in the notes page that I'm writing notes along as we talk says dream. And and this is like a, like a planner that I'm writing on. And the note, the message on the planner says dreams become decisions when you cultivate them. Ooh, that's appropriate. Right. And it's just totally random. Like I hadn't even read that. And and as you were talking, I was like, whoa, that's very aligned with what she's talking about. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, exactly right. Okay, last question. 
Deborah, what is your one message to send to the world? Sure. I think my one message would be to allow yourself room for reflection and thoughts on self-improvement. Oftentimes I find that we're quick uh, to point the finger at someone else or some other things in various situations. But I think when one really is, is true to him or herself and to get to the core of, of him or herself, you really, um, you know, you just become kind of a blank canvas and you, you, you release, you pour it out and through self-reflection, you can really grow and know what to do differently in different situations, both professionally and personally. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Deborah, for sharing your story. We will have links to everything we talked about in the show notes. You all can learn more about the Indiana Prison Writers Workshop when you go to inprisonwritersworkshop.org. Make sure you're giving the Illuminate podcast a follow on social media. We would love to connect with you there. Go to the Illuminate podcast on Instagram. And on Twitter, we are Illuminate underscore pod. You can also find us on Facebook. And if you enjoy this podcast... If you enjoyed this episode specifically, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes and hitting that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And if you really loved it, share it with your friends on social media and give us a tag. All right, friends, make sure you check out the other podcasts in the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. I'll have another with Lindsay Hine and the Up and Running Podcast. Okay, have a really great rest of your day and we will see you next Wednesday on the Illuminate Podcast.